So hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome all of you to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. My name is Lee Nichols, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief and Associate Publisher of Hydrocarbon Processing Magazine. But today, we have a very special guest joining The Main Column. It's Ben Dickinson, who's the Global Product Manager for Cybersecurity at ABB. So today, we're going to get his expertise on a crucial topic within the hydrocarbon processing industry, especially one with the increased adoption of digital technologies, and of course, that's cybersecurity. So with that, I don't want to waste any time. Let's go ahead and get Ben in here. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Thank you, Ben. Excellent. So let's go ahead and just jump right in. So my first question for you is, I guess is a broader sense, why should people care about cybersecurity? I guess the main thing is around the impact. So we have many customers, many examples of cyber attacks, uh, looking at the financial side, costing companies uh, $100 million plus to recover from. And uh, whether that's from cyber criminals, from industrial espionage, from nation state threat actors, they all have their own different motivations. Uh, but if you look at the financial impact, we have many customers who uh, don't realize the impact of a cyber attack. They haven't done the the prior uh, assessment and understand what the impact could be. So they find that they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to recover from a cyber attack. And actually, four-fifths of those costs could have been um, saved by preparing for the potential type of attack and figuring out how you would respond to an attack uh, and how you would prevent the, either the likelihood or the impact of a cyber attack from, uh, from, from being so high. Also, uh, you need to think about the potential safety impacts. So um, in a risk assessment, you need to understand through a cyber attack, what could there be the safety implications if a safety instrumentation system was targeted? Uh, could an explosion be caused or some sort of other similar um, uh, safety related incident? So I would say that all organisations need to think about cybersecurity. It's just about understanding where your risk is and how you're going to mitigate that risk to a, an acceptable level. Excellent. Great points. And and I know this is on everyone's mind just because of what's happened with the global pandemic. More people are working at home. So, of course, the big question is, how has the pandemic increased cybersecurity exposure or risks for companies? I think cybersecurity risk posture has changed. I wouldn't say it's gone up or it's gone down drastically. Um, but what the pandemic has done is it means there's a challenge around resources having money on plants, if, if it's an offshore platform, getting people out there. Um, and, and, and companies are having to react quickly in terms of manning and resources. So what we have seen is an increase in demand for remote services. Those cybersecurity controls that we're putting in place and maintaining, how do we do that if we can't get manning men on site? So we're using our digital technology, working with our partners, uh, to, to, to make sure we keep risk to an acceptable level whilst utilising the latest and, and greatest um, digital technology to do that and maintain those security controls to keep them in place. So the pandemic hasn't drastically increased risk or, or lowered risk, but it's changed the way that we need to, to react to risk and, and, uh, and maintain those controls that are in place uh, and changing the way that we're doing that. And now, have you seen a, a, an acceleration in the implementation of cyber projects? Uh, we have. We, we certainly haven't seen a drop-off in projects related to cybersecurity. 
uh, we've seen an increased demand in, like I was saying, in the way in which we deliver our projects. So since the pandemic hit, we've had a lot of conversations with our customers to say, um, how do we get these projects implemented? How do we make sure that it doesn't affect uh, the roadmap of each of those projects? Uh, and, and, and we don't affect the quality of the controls that are put in place. So what we're seeing is an increased demand for alternative approaches and, and use of digital technology to ensure those controls are put in place. Mm-hmm. And, and and I'm guessing you're seeing, are you still seeing businesses, are they still investing despite, you know, external challenges such as COVID, falling oil prices? I mean, 2020 has been an odd year, <laughs> but I mean, are you still, are y'all seeing more investments, of course, in, in, despite these challenges? Yeah, well, one thing I would say is that the, the pandemic hasn't stopped our cyber attackers from attacking our customers. Um, so what that means is that we need to keep up our game, keep the controls in place, keep supporting our customers to mitigate risk. Um, and the, the cyber attackers, I believe, see this as an opportunity. They see us a little bit off our guard. We're struggling with manning to keep our operational uh, sites running. Um, so they see it as an opportunity for financial gain. Um, to, to shut these systems down, knowing that there's a, a business potential there from their side uh, due to the impact of, you know, tens of millions of dollars a day or a week by shutting these operational systems down. Mm-hmm. And now let's talk a little bit more about the customers. So so how you, how do you bring value to the customers? It is, is it through uh, entirely of your own products and services? Can you just go a little bit more into that? I would sum this up as relationship building, really. We have thousands of customers all around the world with unique challenges, opportunities and and technology that use around cybersecurity. And the the questions that we get asked often is, what are the attackers doing? Who are they targeting? How do they target them? Um, What's the impact of different type of attacks on other systems and learning from that? They also want to know what their their competitors might be doing or other people in the market sector in terms of cybersecurity. And I very much believe that cyber should be a community effort so that people can collaborate and and learn from each other due to the limited exposure of attacks and uh, potential implications of these types of attacks. Uh, They also want to know from our domain expertise in control system technology and cybersecurity, what do we think they should be doing? And, and in a long-term roadmap, how can we get them from where they are now and assess them and give them a, a two, three, five-year roadmap of uh, how they get to where they want to, to be in terms of cybersecurity? So cybersecurity is very much an ongoing journey. It's not something that we can implement overnight. Um, and that's where we add the value is coupling our domain expertise knowledge with our market leading technology and, and digital technology to, to put them on that, that roadmap to a, a security posture that they're happy with and meets industry best practice standards and the regulatory standards too. Mm-hmm. And now I'm curious about this, the, the roadmap, of course, for companies that are, that are say, investing or adopting more digital technologies. And of course, cybersecurity is part of that. So for those people that are managing cybersecurity in the industry, what are some of the main considerations um, they should be thinking about when managing cybersecurity? There's a handful of things that we initially talk to with our customers. The first thing is assess your risk. So if someone was to target your systems, you may have a, a number of plants all around the world doing different things, producing different things. I would assess the risk of each of those sites. Uh, you may, with a number of customers, what we've done is 
the difficult thing can be assessing the likelihood of a cyber attack taking place. So we might take that out of the equation and initially do what's called a criticality assessment, where we say, forget the likelihood of attack. If an attack was to take place, what potentially could the impact of that attack be? And then that allows us to then bring down maybe 30, 40 plants around the world to a number maybe more manageable, like five or six, where we can do a more in-depth of assessment and say, okay, now we know that there's a high impact on these sites. Um, let's have a look at what we currently think is the likelihood of an attack taking place and what the impact uh, would be uh, likely. And then we can focus our efforts on, on those uh, most critical sites. Uh, the other thing that uh, you can do, uh, it's been shown that you can mitigate your risk by up to 85% by implementing what's called the basic foundational security controls. And this is things like antivirus, uh, keeping your, your patches up to date. You've got system backups in place in case you're attacked in a ransomware attack. And these are things that all plants should have. So I would recommend that you set out on a, a roadmap of saying how we're going to do patch management, how we're going to do antivirus, and how we're going to have system backup in place on all our systems, and how we're going to manage that process. The third one is, is it building a detection capability. So a good example here is with industrial espionage. If you have a chemicals facility um, where intellectual property is a, a priority for you, where there's a lot of value, um, you may never know that you've been attacked until 12 months or two years later when a competitive product enters the market from another country. Um, so it's really important that you have a detection capability to um, discover that attacker as an early possible and limit the, uh, the, the potential impact of that attack. And then the last thing I would mention is around a management system to wrap all these things together. So define as an organization how you're going to manage cybersecurity. So a cybersecurity management system will then start by assessing risk and then ensure that you've got the right technology, support and processes uh, to implement that cyber management system and cyber controls and regularly review them so that uh, risk stays at an acceptable level. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Those are some great, great things, great things to add to that. And so I'm kind of looking now with, let's say, uh, parts of our industry. So things like industrial control systems, are those seen as easy targets for cyber cyber criminals? Certainly for cyber criminals with uh, financial gain. Um, mm -hmm. But relatively, yes, I would, if I was to compare IT with uh, operational technology, I would say now that um, the operational technology is seen as an easy target. And the reason for this is because you may have old legacy systems that are, are easier to target that are connected to the internet. Uh, and they also see the uh, the financial gain of attacking these systems as potentially higher than in within IT systems. So. What we're seeing is more and more examples in the news where we see um, industrial systems easily being targeted and the owners and operators being held to ransom. Um, other attackers are seeing this and seeing the value of shutting a, an industrial control system down. Um, so that gives them the motivation to do so. And with all of the implications of a cyber attack, uh, as some of the ones, you, of course, you've gone over, would you say that cybersecurity is the number one risk for oil and gas industry in 2021? Yes, um, consistently we see that on the, uh, the 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 global risk register for our customers, the number one risk is is cybersecurity, and specifically for the, within their operational technology. So whether a customer is being attacked, 
the the impact has, has cost them financially uh, large amounts and they've had to learn from it. It's taken a lot of effort to respond, recover the systems and then prevent further attacks from taking place. Um, cyber risk is, is very much seen as a, a high priority going into 2021. Um, threat actors are, are becoming more and more motivated and the uh, especially with uh, the value of data, um, the, the, the motivation of attackers to attack these systems and steal that data is, is increasing. Mm -hmm. and, and so that kind of lends to my, my next question, which you talked about it at the very beginning of when we first started uh, on that first question, but so how do you go in front of, say, the board or senior managers and make the case for the investment in cybersecurity? I mean, beyond just meeting regulatory compliance. So, so how how can people how can people do that? Can you give some tips on that? Yeah, I, I'd say the regulatory, the part that play, that regulators play is is certainly pivotal, and it's very important that we follow industry best practice and regulatory requirements. But I also see if you put too much focus on in uh, regulatory requirements and compliance, quite often you can meet those requirements and still not change your risk posture. So I would say couple the industry regulatory requirements that are required of you as an organisation with your risk posture. And what I mean by that is, again, going back to how risk works, measure the likelihood an impact of cyber attacks on, on each of your control systems. Work with the control system vendor to understand the risk posture of each system, um, how it matches your governance and risk process as an organisation. And then uh, financially, if you're looking at financial impact of cyber attack, compare what you assess as the likelihood and impact of a cyber attack on each of your control systems. Um, against the uh, the investment required in order to mitigate that risk. And then you can put that in front of your board to show that the, the clear return on investment for implementing those um, is uh, those security foundational controls is beneficial to the organization. Excellent. Now, those are some, some great points. And so what I'd like to go from this is then, do you see specific challenges facing oil and gas operations? especially in your role? Yeah, I mean, one that sticks out is uh, legacy and end of life systems. So we have uh, a lot of systems that, that might be still on Windows 7 or Windows XP, where we want to work with them to, to get them onto uh, a newer version of the system uh, and, and, and care for them as they do that. Um, the question is, how do we, uh, that can't be done overnight. So how do we secure those systems uh, between now and when when that system is on an, an up-to-date version. So what we will do is we, we're finding that we're working with customers to put a plan in place for system upgrades, but also identify security controls such as application whitelisting uh, that can be implemented on those systems to mitigate that risk and, and uh, reduce the chance of a cyber attack on those systems and also reduce uh, the, the, the impact of a cyber attack perhaps through some detection mechanism too. And so we talk about these legacy systems and equipment. Of course, a lot of, I'm sure, the facilities that y'all work at, are they could have been there for decades. So how compatible are, are modern cybersecurity technologies with those legacy asset uh, uh, equipment? Um, 
that can vary quite a lot and it is a real challenge for us mm -hmm. at the moment so um a lot of our security controls that we put in place uh, are, are it security controls um and they announce the end of life for support for, for operating systems like windows 7 as mentioned before um other security controls uh, are compatible so if the if the idea is the value they bring is to secure end-of-life systems um, then a, an application whitelisting is one of those then we don't we have less of a problem and also where it doesn't sit on an operating system things like network monitoring uh, it's an easier thing to implement so what we can do on uh, legacy systems is monitor network traffic and look for malicious activity within that traffic in a passive way in, in not to affect the operations of the system. So it varies uh, from technology to technology and, and control to control that's that's implemented. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I bet, I bet so. So I got one last question for you, and of course we can't thank you enough for your time today, but my last question is, so where does cybersecurity begin and end within an operational environment? I would say it begins now and it never ends. So it's a continual process. Each and every customer, each and every organization needs to implement a management system where you're continually going through that cycle of assessing your risk, implement appropriate security controls and maintaining those controls so that they're fit for purpose. So I would, if you don't have a management system for cybersecurity, do an assessment as an organization, decide what your risk posture looks like or should be as an organization and then carry out a, a cybersecurity risk assessment to identify the controls that you need implementing and maintaining and then put the right process in place to keep those security controls maintained on an ongoing basis. Excellent. Well, listen, Ben, we can't thank you enough for your time today. I mean, we know how busy your schedule is, so we really appreciate you giving us some time, especially on your expertise with this crucial topic affecting our industry, which of course is, is cybersecurity. Um, so with that, we really want to thank you. And lastly, of course, we really want to thank all of you for listening to Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column.